Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Sophia Alexandra. And we are back somberly and joyously. <laughs> No, you are such a weirdo. <laughs> How do you start an episode about abortion? Um, well, probably you just roll right in. Do you just go in hot, or do you? Why don't you just be a normal human being? <laughs> you don't need to come in quote unquote hot, but we also don't need to have like a giggle fest right now. We're not having a pillow fight. I, do you tiptoe in? I'm sorry. You just open the door and you walk in. Look at you guys. It's part two, uh, talking to men um, about their experiences with abortion. And I, I hope you liked episode one. Matt Monroe joined us last week. He's a friend who basically inspired this whole series. He posted on Facebook and Instagram about his experience as shit was really going down, uh, as it has in four states. With the heartbeat bells. So he took that as an opportunity to publicly state that he'd had that experience and he was so forthcoming and and open with us last week. It was really cool. So I hope you go back and listen to that. And this week. Yeah, this week we're really excited to bring you part two, which includes um, a conversation with two more guys. And we're airing those together in this episode because they both uh, have religious undertones that we found really interesting and compelling. We're going to kick off with Derek Murray. He's a comic who used to be a youth pastor. Derek, I'm so glad you joined us for this. Yeah, thank you so much for being willing to share such a vulnerable experience with us. Yeah, I when she told me the concept of what you guys were doing, I was like, oh, I have something pretty pretty close to that. I, I think uh, I think it would be good. I think a lot of times you get really terrible perspectives from honestly really terrible men. So I think having a, a better perspective from it, I think is good. That's hilarious. I think probably let's start like at the beginning, if you kind of want to walk us through your experience and how it happened and kind of where you were at in your life. Sure. So for most of my younger life, I, I was raised Christian, non-denominational. Um, so Christianity was it religion in general was just a huge part of my life. Um, and I'd, I'd always been kind of one of those bad Christians that had like these Christian ideals, but then I would like have sex or I'd want to be one of the cool kids. Um, and so I, I always had kind of this weird dichotomy and struggle of wanting to do this, but really believing this. Um, and it was always minor things. Like I said, it was like, I'd have a clove every now and then, or I'd drink before I was 21. So I, I actually, I went to school. Um, so I, I went to college and I actually got my bachelor's in Christian ministries um, and religion. So my, my goal and my ultimate goal when I was younger uh, was to become a pastor. 
And so um, a couple years into my work-life experience, uh, I was able to get my first full-time job uh, as a youth pastor uh, up north in Santa Rosa. And um, I had just started dating a girl at this time. Um, we'd honestly only been dating for, I don't know, maybe two or three months. We kind of dove in head first and we were like, we're going to do the long distance thing. Um, and so, uh, and we did, and it, it was, it was fine for a little while. Um, and then, uh, so I was, I was living up there. She was down here in Southern California. And, uh, I came back for Christmas break cause I was allowed to leave and I had about a week vacation or so. Uh, and then, you know, spent it with my family, spent it with her. Um, and then, you know, we had slept together. Uh, and then I, I remember clearly that something was, was not totally right because immediately after we had slept together, um, we went straight to the pharmacy to pick up her birth control. Um, and knowing what I know now, that's never a good sign. <laughs> that's always, always kind of a sign that somebody didn't follow the calendar to a T and that leaves a little open window. Um, and it definitely did. So I get back up north and within, uh, within a week, um, she had called me and said that she was pregnant. And for most of this time in, in my life, especially kind of, holding to these core Christian values, um, I was very much a, a pro-life person, even with all of the, you know, little things of like, yeah, I would, I would, you know, have sex with my girlfriend. I would, you know, I'd be okay with drinking. I, I was always fine with pushing the boundaries, but for me, I always felt like there were, there were core beliefs that I stuck to, uh, when it came to religion and, and Christianity, um, and being pro-life was definitely one of them. I can remember very clearly having a conversation with my mom, um, prior to this event where I was explaining to her that if I ever had make this mistake where I have a child, I'm going to raise the child. I don't care what the circumstances are. You're never going to change my mind. It's my, it's my mistake. And I have to be the man and raise the kid because I don't believe in abortion. And of course that was before I ever had uh, a scare or ever had a moment like this. Um, and so when she called me and said that, um, it really brought into question everything I'd held very close, uh, to the core because, uh, one, we hadn't been dating for very long. Like I said, we'd only been dating for three months and I had just gotten this job, which is also a religious job as a youth pastor. And really a youth pastor's only job is to try to keep your teens from not having sex. Like that's really your only job as a youth pastor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so here I am doing the one mistake that you're not supposed to do, but it really, you know, I, I never thought that it would, uh, it change everything I thought about, uh, just abortion and the process and how it, how it changes your perspective on what's good and what's right and what's wrong. Um, and so, you know, ultimately we came to the conclusion that that was going to be the best thing for both of us. She was still living with her mother, um, and she wasn't in any position to help raise the child. I would absolutely lose my job if I decided to go through with it. Um, and so we both agreed that that was the best thing that we should do. Um, and unfortunately, and I, this is probably my biggest regret, is that I wasn't able to be there. Um, and, and a lot of that is just my own ignorance of not realizing, uh, the toll that it does take, um, on a woman, both emotionally and physically, uh, when they make that decision and they actually go through the process. I, like I said, I'd been 
pro-life forever. So I just assumed you just walk in, they kill the baby, and then you leave and everything's fine. Um, oh, my God. And, which is clearly not <laughs> yeah. how that works at all. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, knowing what I know now, that's always been my regret is is not being able to go down there, be with her while she was going through that. Um, you know, I, I we kind of had to find a mutual friend that was able to uh, take her and, um, you know, be with her. And then she came up shortly after that, like, I want to say within, within a day or two, cause it was right around Valentine's day, actually, when it happened. Um, oh. so she came up about a day or two after, um, and she, you could just tell, you know, I was trying to be the, the romance guy and, and make her feel all special, but it, it just had a huge emotional and physical toll on her. Um, and again, in my ignorance, I, I couldn't really understand why. Cause I, I was just like, what are you talking about? We fixed the problem is kind of how I was thinking of it. Um, and, and that's just clearly not how that happens at all. So, um, you know, after that, I really started to wrestle with a lot of core things that, um, I believed in my life. I mean, this was something that I'd held to very strongly and now, it's completely shattered. And, uh, you know, I, I'd made up all these decisions about what I was going to do and what I should do based on what my religion told me. And then this moment happens and all of that goes out the window. None of that even matters. Um, and so I would say maybe six or seven months after that event, um, I actually ended up leaving the position. Um, and then I, I came back down to Southern California. Um, and then I kind of never tried to get back into a church. I just wanted to kind of take a break. Um, and that's been almost 10, 11 years now. And I have never gone back. Oh, my God, Derek. And you're a stand-up comedian. And now now I'm a stand-up comedian. And I actually believe that <laughs> being a pastor and being a stand-up comedian are pretty much the same thing. They take the same skills. One just has more dick jokes. That's it. Totally. That's so funny. Yeah, you're not the only youth pastor comedian no. I know. <laughs> Steve Hernandez used to be a youth yeah. pastor. Can we ask you, how old were you and how old was she when this happened? Sure. So I must have been uh, 20... Oh, gosh. Let's see. I'm 35 now. So I must have been maybe 23, 24. And then she was probably 21. I think there was only like a three-year difference between us. Have you ever talked to another man about uh, your experience with abortion? You know what? Um, there's still some uh, really ingrained things uh, from from my religious life um, that I think uh, have been kind of instilled with me, whether consciously or subconsciously. Um, and it's actually something I still kind of wrestle with, especially when it comes to sex and sexuality. Um, there are things that I actually kind of struggle with in, in being kind of vulnerable and open, um, uh, you know, sexually and, and even with my partner. Uh, it is something that we kind of have to talk about on a regular basis because I'm not very open about it. So um, to answer your question, I know I think I've only I think I've only shared this story with a handful of people. There's not very many people in the world that know uh, that this is something that uh, I've, I've gone through. Interesting. Do your parents know? That is a great question. I don't think so. Wow. Yeah, I don't think so. There's no reason for them not to, especially now, because they've gone through their own, uh, you know, experience and they've, they've actually left the church and they're no longer Christian and they're just, they're, they're all about trying to keep an open mind. So they'd probably be way cooler about it now. If you could just like specifically break down that thought process as you're deciding, I mean, what are the things that you're weighing against like 
all these religious concepts that you believed in? And then what were the other things that you're going to have to quit your job? What else was a part of that? Was shame and stigma a part of that? That's a great question. Yeah, absolutely. There was there was definitely a lot of shame. Um, there was a lot of regret. I felt a lot of guilt. Just all in that moment, just in that single moment of her kind of saying, you know, I'm pregnant. Um, so there was definitely all of that. There was um, the fear of, of losing this job that I thought that I loved. Like this was all I wanted to do with my life. This was my career. This was my degree. This was everything. Um, and I'm going to lose it almost immediately. And then I thought about, you know, how I felt and, and in my religion. And I, I kind of felt like, okay, well, how am I supposed to go to church? How am I supposed to be a leader? How am I supposed to be somebody that other people are going to look up to if I've got the biggest thing you're not supposed to do as a Christian, um, which is have a kid at a wedlock uh, or have an abortion? And those are neither one of them were good choices for me, I felt like. Um, and so, yeah, there, there was just a I, I felt like this wave of just, you know, oh my gosh, I never thought this was actually going to happen. I'd made up my mind about what I thought I would do, but that was before it ever happened. And then once it did, um, I really didn't even know what to think. It, it totally threw me. Um, and everything that I'd kind of held to as far as my, my beliefs, um, they just kind of one by one kind of got stripped away where it was like, no, if you, if you go through with this and you do have this child, your whole life is going to be different. Like, there's no prepping for it. Your entire life is going to change. But then also, if you have this abortion and you decide that this is the best thing, this is also going to be a secret that you have to keep inside of yourself. And you are now going to be facing this youth group every Sunday, telling them not to do this, knowing that you've done it. Um, so it was a lot. And all of this happened like lightning quick in, in my head. And do you have any regrets about it? Um. So now... Um, in my life, I don't have any regrets about the decision. Uh, even though like I didn't stay with the job and I didn't stay with the church, uh, we're not together anymore either. So that's probably another thing, but I do feel like it was the best decision. Like I said, my biggest regret is, is not being there, um, for her and not helping her and, you know, being a, being a support. Um, and a lot of that just came from my huge misunderstanding of, just what actually happens when you get an abortion. There's a lot that happens. Um, and I didn't know any of that. Do you feel like this is the kind of thing that would have helped to have been taught in schools in like a shame-free way that would have kind of uh, given you an idea about what happens physically and mentally to a woman when she goes through something like that? Yeah, I think so. I definitely think that it's something that uh, just us as a society in general, um, I, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about, um, you know, what what an abortion actually is, what happens when they actually go into the clinic, how it's actually done, um, what you're going to feel after, what you feel during, um, it, it, you know, what leads to that decision to actually go through with it. Um, so I think a lot of those things, yeah, I, I definitely think we are very, very miseducated uh, on on everything regarding abortion. I, I feel like, you know, I, especially because I was so religious, I just had this, and this is so stupid, but I feel like a lot of people think this. I just figured women were like, I don't want a kid. I'm just going to go kill it. Like, that's their mindset when they stroll into Planned Parenthood. <laughs> so um, and, you know, 
obviously that is not even close to the case. And it's definitely one of those things that I, I truly believe that you can't fully make your decision until you have to make that decision. I, I think it really is that big of a thing. Um, and I, again, it, it shattered that concept, that misconception of, oh, this is an easy choice. It's not. It's not at all. Even if it is the right thing to do, it is still a very difficult choice. It's a really hard thing um, to even want to do, regardless of how you feel on the political spectrum. Uh, like I said, just emotionally and physically, it is draining, even if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is the right thing to do. It's not an easy conclusion to come to. Um, and I think most people that have already made up their minds, they, they have no idea. They have no idea what it's like because it hasn't happened to them. And once it does, I really do feel like it, it would change. I, I feel like something in them uh, would force them to kind of reckon with how this actually works. Wow, could not have said that better myself. Yeah, that's amazingly phrased. And uh, I hope that if anyone's listening who didn't have their mind made up or had their mind made up um, to be anti-choice, that this kind of spoke to them. I thought it was really interesting over the course of his journey how the experience made him reevaluate his relationship with religion. Yeah, and just pretty much his relationship with like everything else in life and what he considered important. I think it just made him evolve into the man he is today. It was the catalyst for that evolution anyway. So thank you so much, Derek, for sharing your story with us. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And our next interview is with Christopher Morrison. Yes. And the way that religion ties into his story is just kind of more muddled and thornier yeah. and... um I think a lot of people are going to be able to empathize with uh, the shame that he talks about and that powerful like last image I think will stay with a lot of people. Yeah, it's coming from a guy who now says he's an atheist and seems like one of the wokest, most progressive guys. He's out there fighting the good fight on the internet and still this guy is struggling with some of the really deep societal shame that I think this issue brings up and how he dealt with it is just really going to impact you. Tell us about your experiences. Uh, I was a partner to two abortions. Um, and then I have actually before those two, I was the, um, what did we agree on? It wasn't assistant. It was the companion to two others. I think that's a good other. term, companion. I was the companion to two others. Strangely enough, neither of them I would even call friends. Um, they were acquaintances at the time um, and sort of was the person that brought them to the, the clinic and then the person that brought them home and stayed with them for a little bit. Life unfolded and became, like I said, it became a, a partner to two different two different incidences. Um, so so you, I don't know where you your, want to start. Your companion uh, yeah. experiences were first. Yes, correct. Absolutely. And was that the first time you actually got to see firsthand what, like, emotionally and physically an abortion is like for a woman? One thousand percent. Yeah. No. One hundred percent. Yeah. So, what did you think about it before? Be before, so I was I was raised um, super liberally Catholic. Like, we, I had like a, a, a Catholic 
parish that um, actually gave us a sex ed class with condoms Whoa. and everything. Oh my God. Yeah, crazy pants. Um, which Where is, was this? This was in Silver Spring, Maryland. I'll shout out the parish. I guess they won't find me. I guess it's okay. I mean, I don't know what the parish does now. I mean, um, kudos to my, them. Amazing. Yeah, St. John's Parish in, in Silver Spring, Maryland. Anyway, um, so I uh, was raised Catholic, always considered myself pretty spiritual at the time, even not dogmatic kind of a deal. Um, did not care one way or another about abortion to be honest with you just like yeah it always seemed like a woman's right to choose for me um my household uh it would turn out was not necessarily thinking that way but uh we just we never discussed it so uh sorry mom and dad um but there you go did Um, your parents have really strong feelings about it my father explained it to me this way when i when the first time it came up for me to do it for me to participate um because i was dirt poor and needed we needed some financial assistance to make it happen um and i brought it to my dad's attention my parents were cool i'm doing air quotes um about it um and but then it was very clear that they were un seriously unhappy and um my father was uh, my mother's italian first generation Italian American and she was the mouthpiece of the family. So whatever she's thinking just comes across her face. It's like, I knew what was going on there. So dad is strong, silent, descended from Scottish, um, engineers Mm. types. Um, and and whatever loving man, but just totally silent. And so sometimes you couldn't read him. So at the one point I just had to pull him over and be like, what's on your, I could tell something was on his brain. I'm like, lay it on me, Jack. And, uh, his name is not Jack. His name was Sam. Um, (laughs) and, um, but anyway, um, and he just looked at me and he was like, no, I believe that anytime anyone conceives a life, no matter in what situation, including he, this is a quote, including a Petri dish, you are responsible for that life. Jeez. Um, which is, yeah, intense. Um, Weirdly enough, I never see, saw him act on that because he didn't give me money for my abortion. So, um, my abortion. Sorry, I don't know how we want to talk about that. Uh, the abortion that I was participating in. Yeah, so, I think it's fair to call it yours. I think, yeah. yeah I'm totally. happy to do it. It's that's I, I have no desire to distance myself from it. The other thing about this is crazy. This was the um, classic mid-20s. We've had a long relationship that is now over. Let's do it one last time. Oh, oh been there. It's, oh. That's how I was conceived. <laughs> Literally. You could be my daughter, um, basically. Um, and, uh, I mean, ages don't line up, but yeah. yeah maybe. I don't yeah, know. I'm a bit like, older. I'm a bit older, maybe, than I seem. I don't know. Whatever. Um, but yes, that was, this, that was the total situation. And on top of it all, I had moved across the country um, away from her. Um, when I got the phone call, um, go jump into this part of the story. And I came, we agreed that I needed to come back and discuss it. Um, and so I came back and we discussed it and, uh, we, uh, I mean, it came down to the point where, uh, she stared me dead in the face and was like, I think we can get over everything, uh, anything. And I had to stare her back in the face and say, I don't think that's true. Um, you mean uh, together? Like she was trying to. I think she, that was a last ditch effort to save the relationship, not the pregnancy necessarily. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, she just was like, "This experience is bonding us forever." Possibly. I don't want to speak for anybody else. Um, that isn't me. Um, I just know that that moment happened, and that was the official end of the relationship. Uh, when I, she laid that out, and I just couldn't find my way to um, the positive of that. Then we got talking on to what would then happened with the pregnancy um and then she made the decision to to end it um uh i assume my input had something to do with it but i wasn't like you know no 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 but um i wasn't in favor of the relationship continuing either way 
So that was going to be hard. Um, Did you want to have a baby at that point? No, not at all. Um, uh, my relationship to having a baby is is bizarre and interesting. Again, I when growing up as a kid, I was a super romantic. I'm going to have a family, and I'm going to marry the woman of you know woman of my dreams, and and sort of went on on a monogamous long term relationship spree well into my 30s. No relationship lasted less than two years for me. That kind of a thing, and um, then discovered that basically I, I had a lot of poly tendencies. Um, <laughs> Jumped into that world for a while. Oh, gotcha. Um, so anyway, um, so I was in the middle of long string monogamy, a little bit of in denial about how my own internal relationship to love and, and affection and relationships worked at the time. So anyway, um, I just knew that relationship was over for me. Um, and uh, the reason, one of the reasons I'd moved across the country was I'd gotten an artistic opportunity that was to be an artist in residence somewhere. And it was really hard for me to look at ending that and then going backwards. Um, but, um, more importantly, I just thought the relationship was over. Um, so anyway, the decision has been made. Now we're both poor. She was an actress at the time. Um, and, uh, I was just trying to figure out what the hell I was doing in terms mm -hmm. of writing and directing and being a performer and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, fast forward to, we need $250 and where's that going to come from? And we're both broke as fuck. And I just was like, all right, I'm going to go to my parents and, and see where we are. Um, that that lands us right to the Sam Petri dish conversation, and at the same time, my parents kicked out. They paid for the whole thing, and as far as I remember. They either paid for the whole thing or half. I want to say because I'm not. Sh I, I'm sorry, I can't I actually cannot remember if my partner went to her family or not. I can't, and again, I don't want to speak for her because she's not here. I don't remember. Did you guys ever revisit that conversation? No, uh, <laughs> not at all. Um, my family is, while well, my mother is nothing but an emotional creature um, and my father is nothing but a, a logical creature um, to a lot of extent, it just was not the, we did not have those conversations. You know, we did not, anytime I would, I, however, am now, of course, a weirdo mix of both. And they are definitely products of the boomer generation, like solid. And their parents were, my mother is a, uh, the daughter of hardcore Italian immigrants in the 30s. So they're hardcore, like work your ass to the bone. Don't talk about emotions, but everybody have a lot of emotions. In fact, spray the wall with them, um, but <laughs> never talk about them um, and just freak out. Uh, and my father's family... Emigr you know, they came over in like the late 1700s, so they're basically American and, and landed in Tennessee. And both of his parents were powerful intellects um, who, you know, yeah, it, emotions was not uh, up for discussion. So, yeah, we didn't have those kind of conversations. Who did you talk to about the abortion at the time, if anyone? I did the most dramatic fucking thing you can imagine. I literally gathered all of my friends <laughs> and told them all as oh a group. Oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's the way I was processing at the time. It was just like, okay, well, I'm going to, if I can't talk about it with my family, I'm going to shotgun this all over my community and make sure that I get some kind of support. Literally, it was a party. It was like, like everybody come over. I'll make food because I'm Italian so it's, and I don't drink. So I was like, that's what all of my parties are about. Like, come over, we'll eat. Not necessarily I'll make food. We'll just get food and sit around and talk about our emotions. Um, and so I just shotgunned it all over my friends, like in one announcement. What was the response? What did they say to you? Super. And the other thing is they all knew this woman as well, even though she was now far away in the Midwest. And I, this was all happening in Northern California. Um, just immediate outpouring of love and affection and which was lovely and wonderful. And, um, these are all theater artists types. And, um, so you were happy you told people and it made it 
easier on you. A thousand percent. Yeah. For me, it was, uh, it took a long, it took a longer time to process personally, I guess you could say, but it didn't feel like a secret in any way, shape or form. The hardest thing was telling my parents, I knew there was going to be a barrier there, whatever that barrier was going to be. And then I didn't want to fucking piecemeal this thing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. one at a time because I just, I, that just sounded emotionally just want to rip draining. off the band-aid. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So have you uh, talked to other guys about abortion? Interesting then? question. I think it's only come up when it's relevant. Yeah, that's what's fascinating. It's a great question. And I think it's only come up when it's relevant, when either they're in the middle of it or somebody they know is in the middle of it or their, or their sister or their cousin or whatever's going on. Um, and I immediately am like, raise my hand. I'm like, I've been through it. If you want to chat about it, let's do it. You know, obviously the last 15 years, you know, Facebook has been whatever, you know, whatever you think about it, the flame wars that erupt over stuff like that. So there's that kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly I sort of made Facebook a part-time job around 2010 to just sort of like get a little bit more educated and then, you know, stomp around trying to help out, um, to be frank, other uh, uneducated white dudes about lots of issues and um, all that stuff. Um, not that. that I do a great job at it, but like whatever. Hey, That's, thanks for being out in the in the fields. I try. Uh, yeah, I think I try. Um, and um, so lots of abortion conversations in that realm. But again, conver- again, air quote. I think you know mostly. Let's call them mostly flame wars. Um, I think, and then some conversations like on the side, but almost never in meat space. You know, almost never in IRL that I can think of. What about your second experience? Second experience is uh, <laughs> more complicated. So it was. Uh, so I have an ex-wife. Um, I am married again now. Totally unplanned as well. We and we were older. So now fast forward. Um, that first experience was twenty-five. I think. I think I was twenty-five. And my partner would have been at the time would have been twenty-four. Now I'm. And this is going to sound really weird. Um, I was thirty-five, and I thought my partner was thirty-six. Um, I know this sounds really weird. I'll try to, I'm trying oh to desperately, my God. desperately try to figure out how to, how to tell this story without, um, I don't know, uh, keep it relevant anyway. Uh, cause there is an, oh my God in this story. So anyway, so I thought my partner was 30, 36. We'd been in LA for, we'd been married for, uh, four years, five years, uh, from the Bay area because she was a script supervisor and we'd sort of kicked her career into higher gear. But then she discovered she hated the check to check lifestyle. She was trying to figure out how to get out and like what she was going to do with her life. And I had just gotten my first script reader job after, you know, whatever, trying to do writing and uh, doing some theater stuff down here. And so things were weirdly stable, unstable kind of a deal, whatever first marriage stuff, um, first marriage stuff. I love Sorry. That. I meant to That's say so marriage funny. stuff, but yeah, maybe <laughs> it's amazing. More, it's more first marriage stuff for those in the crowd who have, have had multiples. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, and bang, she got pregnant. And, um, up until that point, um, neither one of us had been really hot to trot to have children and we always just said we'll leave it up to whatever we're she- using protection no uh because what had happened was uh she had been on she'd been on the pill for a long time and eventually it had just turned on her like it does a lot of humans that are on it since they were 14 and the reason she got on it was not because she was ma- she was as sexually this is the first time i learned about this process as well mm-hmm. which is like she just needed to regulate her hormone cycle because it was a, mm-hmm. it was yeah. a beast for her uh so she just wanted to go off it after a couple of, i think it was her first year of marriage maybe she was just like i'm gonna stop this nonsense i was like well we'll do condoms or we won't or whatever and um 
and we, and again, that's what I mean. We just sort of because neither one of us had strong feelings about it. Um, we're just like right, if it happens, we'll we'll figure out what to do then. So bang, it happens. I'll be honest, I freaked out for sure. Um, I was again, I was I was thirty five, and I just thought we had time. You know, that was the other thing, and I was just starting to maybe get some traction in LA and I had no idea what the fuck that was going to be like. She was getting out of the business and I didn't know what that, we didn't know what that was going to look like. Mm-hmm. And so her age factored greatly into my feelings about it. Like meaning just simply, I feel like we have time. Like this won't be the last chance we had to do this. And the reason I'm bringing this up and again, I'm not speaking out of turn here because she told me eventually that perception about me her interpretation of the way i was feeling was that i didn't want to and that really factored into her decision uh i think that's a bit of a overstatement of my position but i didn't i didn't want to i did not really i didn't want to but if okay this is where i gotta drop this part um she was actually 42 at the time oh so for her it was like a time issue too well I guess. I don't know. She just never, you have to understand, we never went back and discussed this. After. So it took me another five years to discover her actual age. Wow. Um, and this is a deep question that I've never gotten an answer to about why she felt the need to hide her age for me. But um, yeah, at the time, and obviously we discussed age a lot during these conversations and yeah. it did not, she was never like, pump the brakes, by the way. Mm-hmm. Wow. This, I'm actually 41 right now and this, and even, and because I kept saying, we have time, we have time. And maybe it's just the way my brain works. I don't want to talk about how her brain works. Um, to me, that would be like, okay, well, here it's time to reveal this thing because this matters it, to this. Com- it seems it seems relevant to this conversation, right? And again, I'm only bringing this up because she eventually said later, even before I found out the age difference, the age thing that that mattered in the conversation to her decision, um, the way I was acting around that, um, along with, and I, so I can complete that thought. You know, I think I'm sitting in front of two different artists. You spend all your time and attention on your art. It's not a fucking hobby. It's it's, it's oh, 24-7 yeah. all the time. You're already... This podcast m- is not a joke, bitch. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right? <laughs> you, that's it. It's on your mind. There's no vacations. There's no fucking any of that. It's you're on. So you're, as far as I'm concerned, you're already married. So the speech that I always gave to any partner was like, I'm already married, number one. So we've got time and attention problem out of the gate. If that's going to be a problem, we have to talk about that. So... The one because of the other you things you guys were open with each other, right? That's also complicated. We we when we got married, we were in an open relation. We were in an open marriage. We closed it after year two. This is like year four or five, so we had closed it. But in that vein, my my philosophy was: I looked her dead in the eye and was like, "Look, what I was deathly afraid of is that of sort of the middle class lifestyle of just a middle class nuclear family American nonsense, which is like we have kids, everything for the child, everything is now about our yeah. child, right? And I'm just like, and I just looked. You don't want to lose yourself. Yeah, exactly. I just was like, the kid will know, and we need to understand that the art thing for me, even if it's not professional level, is never going to go away. Mm-hmm. And then she really thought that was basically me saying, the "Kid's not a priority." Um, which is not what I was saying. Um, kind of sounds like that's what you were saying. Oh, okay. All right. Fuck me. Um, <laughs> no, no. It's like she has a point. You oh, know? Of course. No. She absolutely. totally has a point. But also you're being totally on the level by saying yeah. like, hey, this is the there's expectation. Nothing, yeah. There's nothing wrong with being honest. True. But I think like when you're like, should I have a baby? And the guy's like, I'm married to my art. You're like, yeah, that's a hard no. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. 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 Fair enough. You know? <laughs> I appreciate that. I can eat that. Yeah. No. But I, that's what you wanted. Right. You wanted. 
There's not nothing to have wrong a baby. with saying you don't. Because it's, it's a, a I got an abortion because yeah. I, yes, I wasn't ready to have a baby and it wasn't yeah. an ideal situation. And also, I didn't want to have a baby. And that's okay to say. You, yeah, it shouldn't sound like you're saying something sacrilegious to be like, that is not a choice I want to make. I think I would, again, maybe this is the poly talking from me because. In, in the poly world, it's, it's, it's a lot about priorities, right? And making sure mm-hmm, everybody understands mm-hmm. priorities. And what I was trying to communicate was that just that, especially at the time, child wasn't necessarily going to be priority number one all the time. And if I had known that this was our only chance to have a child, and I can't say because I didn't fucking, I don't fucking right. know. I might have like, I might it might have been exactly the fucking same. Right. I just had to put an asterisk by it just because I might have changed my, I might have just flipped over and been like, fuck it, let's do it. And, but, and still reorganize priorities and deal, make sure priorities are understood. But I just have to hang an asterisk there because I didn't understand the age thing. Of course. Yeah, that's all. And, but I totally hear what you both are saying. And yeah, no, I get the fact that like we're in crisis mode. I I dropped that fucking bomb and she's like, all right, fuck you done. Yeah. No, but I also don't think like necessarily it's like, fuck you either. Oh yeah. Sorry. You know what I mean? I I think like, I think it's probably, it sounds like just, you're being really fair with her. It just hurts, I think, to just sometimes realize oh, that you're not on the same page as your partner. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think that that means you're yeah. a bad person. No, I just I think that that, that means yeah. at that moment in time, you guys weren't in sync. And that's you should not have a baby in that case. Yeah. That's the very first reason not to have a baby. When you're like, oh, me and my partner not on the same page about the baby? Mm. Probably shouldn't have that baby. That's pretty reasonable, you know? And I must admit, and this may be my complete failure to be able to listen in that mo- in those moments of crisis, because God knows it lasted you know, weeks. Um, I still this day don't know what she wanted. So, and that's probably my failure she to might, be able to listen. She might not have known, and she was like, you know what, his response is going to help me. Yeah, of decide. You know I, th- what I, mean? I mean, I think of, I, she certainly said no, not one hundred percent. She said that to me for sure later after after the decision. Like, yo, your response was really key, and her decision process for sure at least that's what she told me yeah totally i so i had also been in this i mean it was a terrible relationship but it was this long protracted you know relationship that then we like hooked up way after the fact (laughs) and that's when i got pregnant and i called and i left him a message and i was like at planned parenthood i was like hey i gotta talk to you it's like really I can't even stress how important it is. I need you to call me back. And he didn't call me back. And I was like, okay, so probably that guy's not going to be there when I really need him to call me back. (laughs) And I still made my decision. Ultimately, I think it is your body. It is your choice. But like, yeah, I took that shit into consideration. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And there was nothing wrong. I mean, that's the thing. You got the information you needed from his lack of response. hundred percent. Yeah. No, I hear that. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So, were you there on both of these yes. occurrences? Yeah, absolutely. We talked to to someone else, and he was like, "The physical toll was kind of a shock to him." Yeah, yeah. no one ever talks about it in health both class of them or were, anything. Yeah, for sure. Both of them were vacuum abortions. First of all, so to be specific, um, from what I understand, and, that's easier than apparently. Vacuum. So the thing about the let's call it the hookup abortion, whatever. Um, is uh, she got a perforated uterus from it? Um, so they perforated her uterus with the with the vacuum. Oh um, Jesus! So she bled for a month. Um, oh my so god! So I had only and I was on a plane ticket, so I was only around for two weeks after. Oh fuck! I'll never forget the waiting room 
for the second abortion, no joke, had on fucking Jerry Springer. Oh yeah, at full volume. Oh yeah, it's daytime TV. Midtime, and it's and it's and it's literally that. And I was just staring, and it was literally that day happened to be like. That's not my baby day. Oh my god! And like I'm just like, does no one guys understand just doing irony? that? It's not my baby dance on TV while these women are like, okay, cool, cool, cool. This yeah. is awesome. That's Thank exactly you. why I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I wish I had the 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 fucking confidence to have gone up to someone and been like, can we turn this fucking off? It's like oppressive, dude. And I didn't have the ball. I didn't have the. I didn't have the stuff. I couldn't. I couldn't do. It. I just sat and just prayed for it. I didn't pray at it by that time. I'm a, I'm a pretty devout atheist these days. Anyway, whatever that means. Um, that's an oxymoron. But, um, you know, I just was like, please, <laughs> fuck it, some, this, make this television fall off the wall. But, yeah, no. Yeah. And it's just things like that that are so tone deaf in this environment drives me nuts. And maybe it's just the director in me that's just like, details matter, man. And Like, was I, there you know, no... Movie starring babies available. <laughs> right. Like, look who's look talking. Who's talking. Yeah, right? Let's go. Just play that. Babies. Yeah, man. Oh, you think that's bad? Look who's talking to is up next. Or it's fucking like, what? Some Kirk Cameron fireproof, you know, God is good movie or some shit. Yeah, like, you know, who's like in the charge sake. of the TV in there. <laughs> oh, and just like complete, just like no irony zone. Um, and and it just again, it just seems thoughtless and just like yeah, um, yeah, that kind of thing is just shocking to me. So having gone through, you know, two of these experiences personally and and been there for another two, and as a man, what do you think of other men trying to legislate this stuff? Oh, it's it's bullshit. There should be no man deciding anything about this in any way, shape, or form. Or if you're going to do it, it needs to be 95% women and one token dude um, for... Or like have a committee with ladies on it or something? At least. um, We, you know, it's... You know, I'm I'm talking about it with passion, and I'm remembering difficult moments and all of this stuff. And some of them are physical. It pales. It's so obviously as if you had one of these four women sitting here, it wouldn't it wouldn't compare in any way, shape, or form to what they had to go through, either with the decision or the physical process during the the procedure or after, or living with it after, or dealing with the physical ramifications. So why, when you biologically cannot do it unless you are a trans person, right? Just logically, if you, and again, men love fucking logic. Like they want to talk about logic constantly <laughs> until it completely stops making sense. Right. And then they're just like, Meh. Um, <laughs> right. It, logically, it makes no sense. Emotionally, it makes no sense. If you have, if you, if you, if you attack it with the logical stick, it doesn't work. If you attack it with the emotional intelligence world, it doesn't work. And the only thing they have to fall back on is their, their bullshit spirituality, which is based on fairy tales and nonsense, as far as I'm concerned. Sorry for people who are not offending anyone out there. But we live in a country that has a separation between church and state, so go fuck your spiritual argument. Go fuck yourself. You have no leg to stand on, um, except you do in America. Are you thankful you for women's right to choose? A hundred percent. And I want to—I definitely want to say this. Like, my life is better because of my abortions. A hundred percent. Or better. Yes, I'll say better because I like my life now. Um, and I actually, I should say, I love my life now and it would be different. I'm hopefully I'm a type of human being. I tend to be very flexible. I've moved 28 times in my adult life and whatever. I don't even live on this continent anymore and like whatever. And I've taken what I consider four leaps of faith in terms of career and in terms of location and all these things, right? <clears throat> my ability to do that would have been severely hampered by having a child only because, or, or at least the way I did it, um, 
I like to think I'm flexible and I would have figured out a way to do it with the child in tow and not to their detriment, but fuck it. I didn't have to do it. So I have nothing but admiration and, and respect and, and, and joy that those decisions were made. Um, even though both were made in difficult, weird circumstances, um, that I wish went down differently, but, uh, yeah. Every abortion's hard, no matter how right it is and how, how much you believe that it should be available. It's a tough decision to make. I think no matter who you are. And, and I hate to bring this, bring this back as well, but I think it's, we have to examine it culturally as well. Um, it's, it's, it's very American to make this such a problem. I happen to live in, I've lived in Europe now for the last five years and not that it's not a huge issue there too. And there are certain Catholic countries where it's still illegal in certain places, but the conversation around it doesn't feel like it does in America fucking at all. Um, it's not as much of a taboo. It's not this giant lightning rod political mm-hmm. issue. People run and you run for either running for the EU or local office and you never hear the fucking word. You never hear it. And it's not because they're afraid to talk about it. It's just because they don't, it's not a thing. Yeah. Right? It's just not as much of a thing um, at that it has become in this country. Um, so I, I totally agree with you. We have to attack it as a taboo and it's, it's everybody's issue so that it, it lightens that load a bit. So you are tackling it right in your other work. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Uh, sure. Um, so uh, I, in 2017, I wrote and directed a feature film in Brussels called the bellwether and it's centered on the, one of the central central tenants is a, is a, is abortion. Um, it's uh, we're proud to say we're the first solo character film that features a woman, meaning there's only one on-screen character, and that is a woman played by <clears throat> the amazing Alex Reed, British actress. And uh, the central tenet of the movie is that it's near future, and there's an acknowledged conspiracy that takes outspoken women and kidnaps them, and then breaks them, and then puts them back into society to keep us all docile. And the film. All shot in a beautiful 13th century chapel so realism, in Brussels. Right? Yeah, <laughs> realism, dude. Uh, yeah, and uh, it was an attempt to tackle institutionalized misogyny. And then the char- one of the main character things, and this is you know this is up for debate as to whether or not it is a good choice. But I made it. Um, the uh, the main character Joanne, uh, the way the conspiracy is working on breaking her is that she has an abortion in her past that she carries societally induced shame about and that she kept it a secret and that she's at it's a secret too and they're working on that with her and that's what they're attacking her on constantly um and so abortion is dead center to the whole purpose of the film and what the character's trying to deal with um and again i didn't want it to make it about this one woman's shame i wanted to make it about societal's perception of the taboo of abortion about that Again, certainly up for debate about whether um, a straight, cishet, white dude is the man to be telling that story. And I totally get that. Um, But I made the attempt. And uh, I appreciate the effort, actually. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I look forward to watching it. And can you speak to your level of shame after going through those experiences? Yeah, it's uh, getting a weird little goosebumps now. I don't know why. Um, Maybe it's the shame. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm very attractive, and sometimes it just hits that happens people. That's true too. Like, just the halfway through an interview, the they're like, <laughs> like oh "Holy God. shit, like, she so cool. is gorgeous!" Fuck. My skin <laughs> just realized it. Yeah. Sorry, it's the largest ahead. organ. It's my largest. It's my largest sex organ. Um, it, <clears throat> yeah, I think again, being 25 and being a dramatic fuckhole. Um, you know, just the. Uh, 
the idea that I had to place it on my tribe to try to make it this tribal event is the only way I knew how to do it. And, it, you know, and I'm a mat. If you haven't figured this out, I'm massively verbal. Um, <laughs> um, what? What? Um, so I'm a massively verbal processor to begin with. So even after sort of unloading, like I call it, like I said, I shotgunned it all over my people um, and even getting the support back. Just even the idea that you, what is the, the question that you have to deal with it, right? Like, oh, it's a, you know, you have a deeply held belief. It's a medical procedure and it's a woman's right to choose and blah, blah, blah and everything. And look what I did. I'm such a good guy. I pat myself on the back. I'm a, I'm one of the good ones. I'm good. At the same time, you go home and you're like, I killed a baby. Um, and even though you don't believe that in any way, shape or form, that's what you've been, that's how it's discussed, right? That's, it's always framed in the terms of the people that believe that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You either have to defend yourself, you have to defend the choice from the point of you killing a baby, or you have to defend the idea that it's not a baby, mm. or whatever, however you want to deal with it. So, yeah, there's there's also the shame of the fuck up. Um, for me, there was the immediate shame of like, oh, my initial reaction was fucked up, and I need to make sure I try to address and deal with that, even though it happened again and it happened again. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something you uh, that I carry, and I, oh, wow. I don't, fuck, I've told like three people this, but I'll tell your listeners this. While the first, um, the hookup abortion, <laughs> while we were trying to figure out if we were going to keep the baby and keep the relationship, my partner got on prenatal vitamins, went to the GM, the, her, her GM, and, um, um, and uh, yeah, got on prenatal vitamins. And we... <laughs> Sort of, I don't know if it's ironic or whatever, but bought like a fucking, like, this is back when like Costco and like BJ's and all those fucking stores were around and bought like a fucking like family sized prenatal vitamin bottle, right? right. Like it's like, fuck, we that might be ending this pregnancy in three yeah. days, but Jeez. let's get the bottle of like 500 pills. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, like I said, after the, after the abortion, I, I, I was around for about two weeks and then I had to go home. And fuck, I can't remember how it happened, but I took the bottle with me and I don't remember if it was an impulse. I don't remember if I was just in the bathroom and I was like, give me this shit or she was going to throw it away or what. I don't remember how, but I took it with me. I did take it with me intentionally. Oh boy. Um, and the way I decided to deal with killing the baby, even though I didn't believe it was a baby and blah, 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 was that I was, I was sort of coming out of a new age moment in my life at that point. Uh, was like we had denied this soul's arrival on the earth. I do not. I want to preface this. I don't believe any of this now. And so to honor that soul, I decided that I needed to remember. And the way I was going to remember was I was going to get through all of these prenatal vitamins, which were gel caps. And if you're not aware of this, you can actually open gel caps. And yeah, the you can. The prenatal, <laughs> well, sorry. Yes, I'm, I know. For the Ridland babies out there, you know you can do this. Um, so... And this pre, and I, I will never forget. It's it fucking looked like sand. This this prenatal vitamin looks like sand, and I would screw open the gel cap, and I would pour it I would, in my, in the bathroom over the sink, and I would pour the gel cap in my hand, and I would quote unquote wash my hands with the prenatal vitamin. Look in the mirror, and that was my ritual to remember. Oh my god! I know. Okay, I swear to God, I'm not making this up. Now I'm saying it out loud because I literally never. I've only said this out that's... loud to like two people. Um, and I would do it on a weekly basis because I thought that's what I should have done. So it, when really saying this out loud, no, it's obviously penance, right? It's You're so like punishing Catholic. Yourself. It's so Catholic. It's so fucking I also Catholic. had similar shit where I yeah. was like 
kind of punished myself after, but that is like so Catholic. Yours version is just textbook. And then eventually I, it, a week turned into once a month and then I would promise myself I would do it on every year. And then eventually I just obviously just fucking stopped and eventually threw the fucking bottle away. Um, however, the only good How thing. How long that, did you keep it? I can't remember. I wish I could tell you. I really don't remember, but it was not an insignificant amount of time. I can yeah. tell you that for sure. Um, and by insignificant, I mean like over a year at least. Um, and, uh, hid it from everybody in my life. I never told, I have many best friends that I tell lots of things, never told anybody about that particular ritual. The only good thing is when I sat down to write the script for the bellwether, which is the project we were just talking mm-hmm. about, it's in the movie. I made it, I made it Joanne do it. Um, so it's part of her character. I feel um, like Joanne's and, maybe a little bit like you. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That image of Chris and his vitamin penance ritual, doesn't it totally sum up the shame and the stigma surrounding this issue? Yeah, I think I got uh, legitimate goosebumps when he was talking about it. Yeah, I could so relate to it because I just have these weird things or times that would come up that really fucked me up. And, And not even because I thought it was such a bad thing, but because of the way that our society treats it. So if you haven't already, go back and listen to the first episode and also stay tuned for the finale of this three-part series of men talking about their personal experiences with abortion coming up next. Yes. And after that, we will return with the rest of our Helsinki series and our New York episodes, which are amazing. And then we're going to Tokyo, bitch. Yeah. Amazing. Hello, Kitty. (laughs) I will slap you on the plane. (laughs) I am so excited, you guys. Our Instagram is going to be so lit. Kawaii. And we promise we'll bring you back some dope audio, too. Hey, Sophia, what's that bomb-ass music? Oh, my God. I'm so glad you asked. Our incredible theme music is by our good friend, Amy Roche. Find her on Spotify. Her last name is spelled R-A-A-S-C-H. Yes, and this episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio. We We love you, Mike. Gross. He has a wife and eight children. Those are air kisses. I do not know where those are going to (laughs) land. If you guys want some air kisses and you like the episode, please leave us five stars and a sweet review on iTunes. And if you send us a screenshot of your review, we'll actually reward you with real stuff. Like a super (laughs) cute private parts unknown button. And And for a limited time, we'll also send you an abortion is normal button. Two buttons for the price of one review. Wow. Pretty great. And if you didn't like us, luckily it's your choice if you want to listen or not. So Bravo. Call back to choice. Brought it all the way around. Up top. All right, you guys can't see that. Anyway, see you next time. Bye.